0: Good evening, John Richards, A Cut Above Horror Review, episode number 25. We're talking about the classic from 1974, Black Christmas. Later in the episode, we are joined by very special guest, Michael from Horror Apocalypse Podcast. We appreciate him coming on, hoping everybody's having a wonderful holiday season, so give it a listen. It's episode 25, A Cut Above Horror Review, Black Christmas, 1974. Oh boy, holidays are almost here. Can you believe it? Cut
1: my life into pieces.
2: Good evening and welcome to a Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film Black Christmas from 1974. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, it's Hydra Berg. How are you, Hydra What's going
3: on? what's going on guys how's everybody
2: pretty good pretty good a little Hi. sick again but yeah
3: you got <laughs> a lot weekend. going on right now
2: i do i do but it's all right it's all right i i always have time for black christmas
3: how are you oh, yeah. i'm good i'm good pretty good went to the movies this weekend yeah what'd you say i saw the spider Man's. really <laughs> good and i saw nightmare alley today
2: oh yeah which one so was not- better I
3: I can't say that. I'm a Marvel stan. I love <laughs> spider Man's go good. Like Spider-Man's yelling at the screen. Good. But Nightmare Alley is really good. Like production directing. The performances are all stellar. Like it, you should go see it. Definitely in the movies. Both movies are theater experiences in my opinion. Mm,
2: mm-hmm. I'm not a Marvel stan myself, but I will um, try my best to go see Nightmare Alley while it's in the theaters. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> next up we've got john how you doing john
0: well hello jacqueline hello Hyderberg. uh yeah i'm actually really looking forward to this nightmare alley which by the way i'm gonna go see tomorrow because it's my day off so oh sweet nice. i think I, I think i'm gonna go watch it tomorrow so thank you Hyderberg, for the recommendation um I I do got to say, and I'm going to forego news just to talk about something that I experienced this past week is Mm. earlier in the week, I went to Starbucks and as bougie as this sounds of going to Starbucks and you're spending $95 for a cup of (laughs) coffee is that, you know, there was a pay it forward thing that was going on. So uh, the person in front of me had paid for my drink, which was, you know, a $3 and 50 cent drink. So I decided to pay for the person behind me, which was like two bucks more, which is not a lot of money. And then I I went home and I watched the movie Scrooged. And as silly as that is with Bill Murray, is that he has this this monologue at the end of the movie of talking about giving all year round. And, you know, he's finally realized the error of his ways of being an arrogant, uh, rich prick, but always wants to give back. He loves the feeling of giving back. So I was thinking for this time, especially being the holiday season, I think We all know somebody that experiences um, uh, mental illness, uh, loss, uh, uh, something this time of year where it just really affects them. So I I think as human beings, as, as caring individuals for one another, is that give yourself to a person whether it's five minutes on the phone, whether it's 10 minutes on the phone or, or even going out for that cup of coffee and buying that for them and being able just to be there because they'll wake up the next morning feeling that much better, you know, and my two co-hosts here, Hyderberg and Jacqueline, I, I want you guys to know is that if you ever had problems, you can call me, you can text me. And I feel the same way about you guys. If I had issues, because I've lived away from home for so long and I'm finally back in Southern California where I get to spend the holidays with my family and not everybody gets to do that. So I think, (laughs) and I know we're supposed to be having fun, but it just, it hit me especially hard this year that it was like, I feel if you give yourself to somebody, no matter what they're going through, that, that you can, you can affect their life. You, you can, Bring them back from, from something that is sad or, or or something that really bothered them and, and and do it. You know, it's not about just giving money to a charity. It's about giving your time Mm -hmm. to an individual that you care about, that, that, that somebody that you have an interaction with, whether it is a coworker or somebody that you care deeply about or a family member, whatever it is, is that give that time to somebody. And not only are they going to feel better, but you're going to feel better about it because, maybe, maybe, just maybe that's the thing that they needed to not to move on to that next day.
3: Yeah. Thank you.
2: That was a really beautiful sentiment, John. And I, I agree with you and the holidays are a good time to think about that. I mean, of course it's nice to do things like that all year round and think about others, but you're right. The holidays are, are, are an especially difficult time for a lot of people. And yeah, um, we have some, friends in the straight chilling community who have lost loved ones this year and this is maybe going to be their first holiday season without them and without them i think i think it's important to always let the people that you care about know how much you care about them like don't let it be a secret don't let them wonder how you feel like take every opportunity to reach out and let them know how you feel and that you care about them and that you think about them. Like if you have a passing, I'm bad at this. Like I'm not a great communicator. Like, you know, we all get wrapped up in our daily lives and stuff. And, you know, I'll have a passing thought about somebody that I haven't spoken to in a while. And I'll think, Oh, I wonder how they're doing when really, I should have that thought and then immediately follow up on it by sending a text or, you know, something to to reach out and let them know that they passed my, they crossed my mind that day.
0: Just something that simple. I mean, and and that's all I'm saying. And again, it's like, I'm not an emotional guy, but it it really, it really affected me. You know, our very own Heidelberg. I, I know you've been through a lot of shit in your life, man, but know that you have two of us here that, that regardless of how tough things get, because again, I cannot sympathize with what you've gone through, but I can empathize because I was away from my family for so long that, that, that I didn't get to experience being around that for yeah. 20 plus years. So it's again,
3: tough. during the holiday,
0: it is. I, and, and I empathize with that. Again, I, I can't, I can't say what you've gone through. It, 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 it could be worse than what I went through, but it's just, I was so used to that and took it for granted probably when I was younger, but yeah. I don't, I don't anymore. And again, it just really brought it to light for me. I, I'm not trying to bring this podcast down. I just, no, it's, you know, it affected me watching that movie or it just started with going to starbucks and then watching that movie that it was just it really brings to light and it's not just during the holidays it's it's all year yeah. round like like you said jacqueline if if you have a thought about somebody you know reach out to them and say hey how are you Cause you know, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a sixth sense. Maybe that's an intuition of maybe they're not doing so well. And you just have that thought about them. So you reach out to them. No, Hey, I'm great. Uh, everything's fantastic. And that's all it takes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like your ears are ringing almost, you know, you've like <laughs> exactly right. Something's yeah. telling you to like, you know what, let me see how so-and-so is doing. So, so I, was I appreciate just re- that I, sentiment. I, definitely.
0: Absolutely. And I, I would just recommend that anybody that listens to this podcast do the same thing. You know, you think about somebody, reach out to them, it, whether it is a text message or a, a
3: Two minute phone call.
0: Hey, how's everything going? Great, yeah, awesome. Well, hey, I gotta start go.
3: in the mail or something. I,
0: <laughs> I I gotta go to the bathroom, but hey, all right, cool. <laughs> just making sure. So
3: well, no, for... I'm sorry, what were you saying?
2: I was gonna say thanks for thanks for saying that, John. Um, and I feel the same way about you guys. I'm always yeah. here for you if you need a friend. So uh, I know you have other friends in your life, but you have one in me too. So I'm I'm glad that you expressed that. And I think it's a nice thing to think about always, but absolutely at this
3: time. You got a friend in me. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't this have podcast any news, just but... in general has uh, made me, like, the couple tough times recently, feel it, better. It, like, I look forward to my weekends and discussing these movies with you guys.
2: Me too. This podcast means a lot to me, and you guys mean a lot to me. So yeah. I, just want you, I want you to know that, too.
0: Thanks. I got you guys. So, sorry. Hey. I I don't have any news, but I just I felt that we're in the holiday season. I think you just think about that a lot more. So, you know, I kind yeah. of went on this. It's a lot. of cutting
3: onions in my house. I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I was feeling the same way. It was a little onion <laughs> here, and I was starting it's, to get a little choked up, like it's thinking just,
2: about it. So it's just raining on my face. <laughs>
0: I
3: love that Scrooge <laughs> was was the catalyst, sort of like that in Starbucks. Yeah, and, Scrooge and is it that movie though. I feel like it it has those moments.
0: It does, and you know, it was that end thing. And not to ruin anything about the movie, but you know, Bill Murray comes around and realizes the error of his ways. Mm-hmm. And does something great and, and, you know, puts it out to millions and millions of people. And we don't have that many listeners yet. I mean, we are
2: close, but. What are you talking about? We have like (laughs) 50,000 listeners every week.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, you liars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Someday. Well, Hydraberg. this week, we're discussing black Christmas from 1974. It's your pick. You want to tell us why you chose this film?
3: Uh, I chose this film. Be- I've seen it once before, and it it was once. it was good. Like, yeah, I've seen it once, and this is the second time I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, and I'm <laughs> you might make fun of me. I only just saw it recently, like last year too. So, like, I saw it <laughs> with right, the Joe right. Bob watch, and it was fun. But at the same time, when we do the Joe Bob things, you know, it's straight chilling. You don't pay attention 100 percent to the movie. So, watching it now, it really like it just hit even harder. Like, I felt like. I got to really experience like how good of a film it is, in my opinion. Um, and it's also the uh, 47th anniversary today of the film's release. So, oh, that's why
0: you picked today. I, huh? totally,
3: I totally picked oh, it for today because uh, that's that.
2: why we didn't record on our usual yeah, Sunday. Oh. Yeah,
3: that's how far. Uh, ahead totally
2: I on known. purpose. Why we did uh-huh. that? Absolutely. <laughs> definitely not due to me having a messy life
3: <laughs> <laughs> not that a husband had a surgery and had to take yeah your husband's kid. got like one arm right now
2: yeah yeah it has nothing to do with it no not at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the kids being out of school and all that. So anyway
3: by the way i hope it's you just feel just... better buddy
2: oh yeah i sure he'll appreciate to, that I'll play this for him so he can hear. Yeah, me. I
3: know he listens to the show every week, right?
2: Oh, it's his favorite <laughs> podcast.
3: <Love> you, Joey.
2: <laughs> he hates horror films, but he loves our podcast about horror films. He's a
3: supportive so, husband, though. Right? He helps yes. kids while you do the show, so we appreciate yes.
2: that. Well, luckily they they've all gotten their act together and they go to bed at reasonable times now, so um, they're you know they're in bed. Uh, guys, fellas, let's decide yes, whether this movie fucks or sucks. Hyderabad, oh, you're up first since it's your pick. So what's your decision?
3: I think this film unequivocally fucks. I think everything about it screams good fuck. And from the beginning to the end, that it's it's definitely a solid, solid fuck.
2: John is like literally fucking on screen right now.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. He's pumping the air. Oh, it's <laughs> pantomiming fucking. That's
2: what yeah. <laughs> I was doing. Well, whatever. Johnny, what about you? Fucks or sucks?
0: Classic fuck. I mean. Top tier, fuck. No, no, yeah. nothing more to add to it. Sorry, Jacqueline. Uh, what about you? What, what are you feeling about Black Christmas, nineteen seventy four?
2: Oh, it fucking fucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is like a fantastic A plus fuck. So yeah, the podcast,
3: the number one podcast that says fuck the most times in the first five minutes. <laughs> a cut above.
2: It's such a good fuck that-, that I want to marry this movie and make an honest woman out of it. It's such a good <laughs> f- Oh, my God. It's
3: very well done. That is it's a good soundbite exactly. right there.
2: Oh, that was the best line
0: <laughs> need, of the whole
3: podcast. We, right yeah, there. we need to soundbite that. and definitely <laughs>
0: <laughs> do. <laughs> make an honest woman out of it. I'm just throwing the spoiler out there. Uh, we're going to talk about black christmas 1974 in its entirety if you're not seeing this movie make sure you pause the podcast and go watch it before we get to that <laughs> i believe we have a special guest coming on as we speak hold on a second here yeah. let's see if we've got our friend our, our secret special guest that we've it's all known about by the time.
2: way
0: yeah, yeah let's see let's see
2: it's not an ambush this time like with, i hope doing.
0: not oh connected to audio yeah. Mm. There he is. Look at this.
3: Uh,
2: Can you hear us? Let's let let
0: Heideberg introduce our
3: special guest. Oh, thank God. Welcome, (laughs) Michael. (laughs) Michael from Horror Apocalypse Podcast. Better late than never.
1: As usual, full of technical difficulties, as is on my show. So we're good. (laughs) Very good. Um, We expect nothing different.
3: Why don't we ask Michael? Michael, does this movie Black Christmas, does it fuck or suck?
1: Oh, it, it fucks, fucks hard um, it, it, in all the best ways, mm. like right. Saturday night, you know. Oh, yeah. I would say
0: Saturday or like Monday through Sunday, it fucks. So,
3: oh, yeah. yeah. Afternoon delight with this head. movie. Well,
0: uh, Michael, and thank you so much for joining us. But we were getting ready to get into and then let's throw it to Jacqueline here.
2: Oh, well, I think it's time for us to hear Heidelberg's reach around plot synopsis.
3: All right, guys. Here we go. The stocking's stuffed. The chimney is swept. And into your house, a killer has crept. All snug in your attic is where he is kept. The body of Claire all night while you slept. The phone has rung once, not twice, but three times. A perverted message from Billy and his twisted mind. Now stall so police can put a trace on the line. And find where the killer has taken his time to stalk you just like a cat to a mouse police have just warned the calls are coming from inside the house seems this christmas is blacker than night do you head up the stairs or run for your life
0: very good
2: nice Ooh. nicely done buddy nicely should done. should be on the back of the box
3: Thank yeah you. it should be <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: michael um why why do you think this is a classic dude
1: this is the the quintessential. Like he said, the calls are coming from in the house. The calls oh, are in the house. Um, it, it is it is everything. It's suspenseful. You have um, great murder. You have Olivia Hussey. You have well, you have Olivia Hussey. I mean, <laughs> Margot Kidder. Nah, mm-hmm. Olivia Hussey. <laughs> yeah, Olivia, <laughs> I agree.
0: <laughs> you got John Paxson too. Oh, John Paxson. Paxson. Yeah, Paxson, Paxson,
2: Saxon, <laughs>
0: Saxon, like Saxon, because he's pretty handsome, <laughs> like isn't a country it? Blumpkin. Oh my, oh, my God. i was just kidding.
3: <laughs> John, dude. Remember, right. I to- remember I told you that my friend and I listened to the podcast. Thanks, killing uh, yeah. episode on the way to Philly. He got yeah. such a kick out of that part where Jack and you <laughs> tell John, like, you got to stop saying country <laughs> Blumpkin. He, said it like Blumpkin. Three he fucking times. started laughing his ass off.
1: <laughs> Saxon.
2: If you don't know what a Blumpkin is, don't look it up.
1: <clears throat> no, I encourage you to look it up.
2: <laughs> don't look it up on your work computer.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not safe for <from> work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like, like, I, we we were all in like kind of conversation as far as watching the Joe Bob part of this. And it's, it didn't necessarily bring my score down, but there was a, there was a, and we'll get to the end of the movie later, but it brought up a really, really good point of you know how the movie wraps up. I, I thought the movie wrapped up beautifully, except one little detail that it it's like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Which which kind of for me, it's not absolutely perfect, and you know, kind of giving away my score a little bit. It's not the most perfect horror movie ever, but you know, throughout the movie, and it's still it's still frightening throughout the movie. It still has got those scares and kind of that slow burn of what you expect from a great horror movie. And it is a slasher, you know, and Joe Bob, as far as what he mentioned is like, this is not the first slasher. This is not the first movie to use POV point of view cameras, but with the technology that they had and the fact that the, the, the DP actually built, I guess, a, a, a rig of where he can keep it on his body as he's showing the POV of being the point of view of the killer was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cause it looked really
3: good. I feel like that really sets the tone. Like I like the opening too of this movie and that's yes. like, you get that POV shot of him getting in the house and it just sets the tone, the sense of dread of having the killer inside your house. Like the entire time is just so fucking creepy. Yeah,
2: it is. And it's it, it creates some good dramatic irony because we don't know the identity of the killer yeah. and it almost doesn't even matter. But we as the audience know a lot more than the characters in the movie do. Like we know that the killer is in the house the whole time mm-hmm. and we know that he's lurking in the attic with Claire's body. We know all this stuff that they don't know. And we see them just kind of obliviously going about their.
0: Oh,
3: yeah,
2: their, their routines. And we know that but- we know the danger that they're in while they don't.
0: Jacqueline, who's Claire? Explain.
2: Claire is one. So the setup of this movie, uh, if you're not familiar with it, is um, you have a sorority house full of young women. Uh, Most of them have gone home for the holidays, but there are a handful of them who have not yet left. Um, And I think there are four left along with the house mother. And they start receiving very bizarre, unsettling phone calls yeah. claire is one of the girls who's left and she seems to be kind of like uh i don't know if you want to say the most sensitive one or she's maybe like the most sensible innocent. yeah maybe a little I'm a little done. innocent um but she she seems cautious mm-hmm. like when one of the other girls kind of uh snaps back at the obscene caller yeah. she's the one who says oh maybe you shouldn't provoke somebody yeah. like that and am i right is she the one who says that
3: she is she is. Yeah, says I maybe
2: you shouldn't provoke somebody like that and then barb snaps at her and she she's like well i'm just gonna go
3: to bed you <laughs> can tell there's like a little tension between her and barb like it seems like it, it's ongoing
2: yeah it, yeah so Barb's it seems the like,
3: a little bit you know and right. she party and yeah, you have know, a wild girl compared with
2: maybe the innocent sort of girl um but claire so claire is the first girl to get murdered and I mean, it happens almost at the beginning of the film. I'd say within the first 15 minutes, right? Yeah. And then she spends the entire film. I love that. Propped up in the attic window. With within ceramic. view of
3: the window, if you could actually see yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, like- and
2: that's one of those things that we know as the, as the viewer that the characters don't know. She's sitting in the window perfectly within view to anybody outside the house the whole time. And I think ever there's- sees her.
0: I think that's one of the two iconic scenes that you get from this movie is like, I, oh, yeah. I think it was one of the box cover arts
1: it is. of, one of the somebody functions.
0: with a plat, a woman with a plastic in bag over her face in a rocking chair. So that's mm-hmm. one of the two. So,
3: and one of, one of my favorite scenes too, is just so creepy. Is like later on when her father comes looking for, her and he comes to the house, there's a scene where he goes to give uh, Mrs. Mack a ride. You see a view from outside the window. You see Claire's dead body in the wheel, in the, the rocking chair. Billy's like rocking it. And then outside you can see dad walking like you were just there. Your daughter's right there and you just can't see her it's right
2: there.
1: Like right under your nose. It's that that constant feeling of dread. It's like, just look up if you just look, I know. up. you'll see her. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: It makes you want to yell at the characters.
3: Yeah. When the, the caller first calls, like, what does he call? He's like, uh, my name's uh, Frank Rizzo, uh, R-I-Z-Z-O. No, I'm just kidding. I said, yeah, but um, no, All kids like his out there are... is so weird, and they're like perverted, like like a like sort of like you would expect a prank call to be to sorority house, but then like he just he goes from quickly perverted to like quick like psychopath, and he's just like I'm gonna kill you, like straight, and it's just so crazy, like the juxtaposition of like the the difference of you know just perversion and then his just psychotic like his violent like you know tendencies. It's like.
0: I thought uh, it was a Bob Clark, the director of this movie, did a really brilliant job of that yeah. progression of the phone calls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just Billy's voice. It became multiple voices. And obviously, post production yeah. they, they had to add, you know, a woman's voice and, and just multiple voices in these. But the way he laid it out throughout the movie, to me, just added more of that. That. That fearfulness of a slasher movie you're like jesus christ it's still unsettling watching it like multiple i've seen this movie probably seven or eight times in my life and it just each and every time you hear those phone calls you're just like i'm expecting it but it's still jarring to
2: me michael how do you feel about the phone calls
1: um well, I guess turned on would be the wrong response. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like he was saying, I, I've seen this movie multiple, multiple times and it, three times this week in prep for the show as usual. Wow. But um, professional. The, every time you hear those phone calls, you get something new. Yeah, you're right. Else in the background, or you pick out a different voice that you didn't hear the last time. It's they're fantastic. I, I love mm-hmm. them. And I love the fact that it, it really starts uh, putting a fear into the people in the home before they even know that the, the killer is there or anything along those lines. Or that
2: so. there is a killer.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. Because like, it feels like they've been getting the calls
3: before he was ever in the house, too. Yeah. Yes. Like before, oh, yeah. Before this.
2: Yeah, it seems like it's been an ongoing... So
3: they've been targeted almost, you know?
0: Well, they, they brought it up at the beginning. I think Margot, Kidder char- Margot Kidder's character actually brought that up. as like, oh, the heavy breather's on again. Yeah,
3: you
1: know, mm-hmm. And that's
0: apparently what he was doing before. So, the yeah, monitor. you're absolutely right. They call yeah. him
1: the boner.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the and so, so when you're just receiving phone calls and you don't know that there's a killer, it's upsetting, but you don't necessarily feel like you're in danger.
3: This is 1974. This is before caller ID, before cell phones. Like, you have no idea who's really on their line,
2: right? So, like at first, they almost seem to be like a little amused, or at least a couple of the characters do. But over the course of the evening, it just gets more and more serious. And uh, and then and then coinciding with the discovery that of uh, like a 13 year old girl, I think, has been found murdered in the mm-hmm. park. That's it's when th- I think those two things sort of converge, and that's when I think the characters become aware that there's something more going on here and that they're actually in danger, which we already know, yeah. but they don't.
3: I feel like maybe the multiple voices are like parts of his personality or his psyche or like past trauma, maybe. Like the mother voice is maybe his actual mother, maybe he had an abusive mother. And little Billy is like, you know, you hear the little kid version of Billy and then you hear like adult killer Billy. It's,
2: I mean, it's a total mishmash. Of, yeah. and it's, it's tough to get a grip on like who each, you know, each of these identities is supposed to be. And I'll tell you what, like, like, um, like you, Michael, I have also seen this movie a bunch of times. Um, but this was the first time I've watched it with subtitles on. Mm. And I caught a lot more of the dialogue in the phone calls that I had sort of that's a little bit garbled and hard to hear. Yeah. And so I was able to make out more of it this time with the with the subtitles on. I have to check that out yeah i I would recommend doing that um there are things that i just didn't catch before Um, but i read that when i was researching trivia i read that bob clark um even though we there's no backstory written into the script on the killer in his own mind he had a backstory developed for him and it was supposed to be that he had an abusive childhood that his parents were abusive and so he killed them and then Agnes is supposed to be his little sister that he abused and tried to kill, but then she got away. Mm. So for whatever that's worth, but I think it's interesting to know just what was in Bob Clark's mind.
1: They, they touch on that a little bit in the remake. Oh, mm-hmm, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: That's true. You're
1: talking about
0: the 2019 one.
2: No, uh, 2006.
3: No. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
3: Yeah, Xmas, black Xmas, right? Black yes. Xmas. Black Xmas. <laughs> yeah. I find yeah, it uh, yeah. funny because I I wasn't that familiar with Bob Clark. Like I've heard the name, but um, like I I didn't know that he was he did the Christmas Story. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh yes. <laughs> yes, crazy. yes, he did. I'm two, totally to yeah. uh-huh. two totally different size of the yeah. Two
2: totally different sides of the Christmas coin.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. I I love that.
2: Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention about the phone calls, again, just researching trivia. This I found so much trivia on this movie. I think it might be more uh, efficient to just kind of sprinkle it throughout as we're talking than mm, to sure. just save it all for the end,
3: like a snowflake. Um,
2: yes, one of the one of the things I learned was that the in the original script, the content of the phone calls was much mm. more tame, and he or somebody else in the crew would be reading the reading the dialogue, you know, to the actresses. But then they added in the much more obscene and scary stuff post-production because they didn't want the actress's reactions to be too extreme and overshadow what was being said in the phone calls. They He wanted their reactions to be a little more muted and kind of like under understated rather yeah, than so, over the s-
0: top. Some of those conversations or the, some of those those lines were just vulgar as shit. Mm. I mean, yeah. it was like, wow. And I mean, I just... Too. language itself could have been x-rated seriously (laughs) and it was like because this is not it it wasn't an overly gory movie they didn't show any nudity, but what 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 the post-production of these phone calls were were vulgar
2: yeah
3: he starts talking about stuff that only someone in the house would know you know eventually like that's when they start queuing in like something something's going on
2: yeah. Like well, I, one of the most alarming moments for me is when he repeats something that Peter had said when he said, mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. getting a wart removed, which yeah. he had said about her casual attitude towards having an abortion. Yeah. And that's so upsetting when if you hear something like that, that was just said to you. Yeah. Like, how, how it's, it's, so had, it's either Peter or it's not Peter, but somebody in the house. Uh, Both of those possibilities are terrible.
3: Peter, what do you guys think of Peter being like a red herring? Do you think he's effective as one? I I never felt like he was like I thought he would have been the killer. You see him. He's got a little anger issue where he beats up the. But you understand why he did that, too, because he's obviously so invested in this music school. And then he, you know, so much other stuff is on his mind. So he ends up kind of snapping a little bit. Which, which I'm gonna
0: get. It's got a social inspired. commentary to yeah, it, it uh, because Olivia Hussey's character is pregnant and she wants to get an mm-hmm. abortion, and this guy's insistent upon not. Which I thought, you know, for 1974, yeah, yeah. that was very progressive.
3: Yeah.
2: True. Yeah, and he well, he's an intense fellow to yeah, begin yeah. with, and so I. You know, it's, I've seen this movie so many times that it's hard for me to remember what my first viewing was like. Because, I mean, I've, it's so familiar to me that I just, I know that he's a red herring and not the real killer. So I don't remember the first time I saw it whether I thought he might be a, pos- a possible choice for the killer. Um, I, th- I think that the movie makes it kind of obvious that he's a red herring, like yeah, right? it's almost so obvious, like, oh, he's mad. He has a, a motivation to he ha- he has a reason, I guess, to like be mad enough to maybe want to hurt her. And he says something like, if you do this, you'll be sorry. It's almost too obvious to it's me. more of a
3: red herring to the characters in the film, not the audience. Watching right, it.
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think, you know, and we've seen the killer enter the house and be up in the attic. And it seems a little unlikely that he'd be scrambling out of the attic and mm-hmm to the front door and then back up to the attic where we know and plus he has very bright striking blue eyes and there's a moment when you see like a close-up of billy's eye like behind the door or whatever when olivia hussey finally sees him in barb's room and that eye is brown
3: it's like bloodshot brown, yeah.
0: That's and I noticed that too on this last viewing. Is almost like he had contacts, and where like almost that his brown eyes you see red around it, not like more than bloodshot because you only yeah. see the one
3: eye. You see it twice. Probably pop blood vessels,
1: Maybe. popping boners in the attic. I thought he was Ooh. a pretty. Good... <laughs> you thought he what? I thought he was a pretty good red herring. Even like I just finished watching it the the third time this week. Uh, I want to say maybe an hour and 10 15 minutes ago and even still i was like hmm maybe it could be him <laughs> <Even though laughs> you know,
3: could I explain how the calls were coming in because before you know that they're coming from inside the house you could be like oh what's it's peter when he leaves the house he's calling yeah.
0: that's that's true because they actually set that up for you of where he's crying yeah. on the phone uh-huh. and then You know, towards the end of the movie, he he comes downstairs as if he's stalking. uh, What was Olivia Hussey's character? Uh, Jess. 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 So he's stalking Jess. And just the way he approaches her, like, you know, towards the camera. He was sleeping
3: in the house. Michael,
0: I agree with that 100%. I I think at the end of the movie, it really kind of gives you that.
1: Hmm.
3: It would would explain one of my gripes, too, with this film is that, like, nobody ever hears Billy in the fucking attic making these calls. He's, like, screaming (laughs) over the phone. Like obscenities and baby noises and shit like that. So if it was at Peter outside of the house, that would make sense that nobody hears him up there. But th- there were certain times
0: where it was like Jess would look up. Yeah. Like
3: she's hearing him.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but they never actually explored that at all.
3: Yeah. Mm.
0: I thought it was funny, the uh, the, the phone number that uh, Margot Kidder gave the police officer, <laughs> Felatio 396. Oh, my God.
3: Her character, <laughs> she, she was good in this role, but I just felt like, I don't know, there, there was a good amount of complexity to most of the characters, I felt like, that they seemed genuine, especially Jess's character.
1: Yeah. And
3: then, like, Margot K- Kidder's character, I just wish you got a little bit more of her, because she's basically there to tell dick jokes, for the most part. Like, i
0: disagree i totally oh, disagree she's, I, she's, I thought well, Margo Kidd, I, did that like. I thought margot kidder was a wonderful character so damaged and uh, you know yeah. god rest her soul of, of what she went through like late in life but
3: it yeah. was no i mean she's great in the role
0: no i just thought the character itself was just like you know this this lush of i didn't think any of the characters were wasted i thought every, every character really had a nice role in this movie you know just obviously being our, our 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 protagonist of the movie mm-hmm. you know Andrea Martin playing you know kind of the the nerdy girl that was just trying to help out wherever they can I thought John Saxon sorry okay. Jacqueline um did a really good job as a lieutenant right, you pick. know e- e- even the comic relief uh detective that was at the front desk officer was, Nash
3: I'm, yeah, so I'm phenomenal so dumb
2: <laughs> so hydraberg i, I want to kind of go back to your comment on barb played by margot kidder yeah.
3: um
2: i actually i think that she does have some like fullness to her as a character because she appears to just be like this brash talking yeah you know dirty kind of uh you know lusty broad but i i think we there's there's just a brief scene that I think tells us so much about her when you see her at the beginning speaking to her mom on the phone and sure. her mom is basically like uninviting her from their christmas plans and it sounds as though she's going off on some like luxurious ski trip the mother that is the mother seems to be going off on some luxurious ski trip with a new boyfriend and and her daughter is not invited and that's I think that's really painful and yeah, it sounds like there's a history of um, like dismissive slash negligent slash selfish behavior by the mother. And it's, so it sounds like Margot Kidder is really kind of like a childless, I mean, a mother, uh, like a motherless child and mm. uh, kind of makes up for it with this, um, this overcompensating like huge personality that's kind of
3: yeah, and telling jokes all the time so sort of, sort yeah of, like joking flex, around you know, and, and the drinking the too much and yeah. and Jacqueline I agree.
0: I, I agree with that Jacqueline I think You're there's right. that little snippet of information after the conversation is that she is a damaged character you know this is why she's drinking a lot this is why she's promiscuous or you know giving <laughs> she feels <laughs> right, unloved that, it, it, uh-huh. she was giving that little kid champagne which oh my gosh I was like I don't know if I should laugh at this or and I laughed at it. I thought every time I see that, it's like, here, have some- oh, he's, he's, he's a little messed up right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's 1974, man. That's what you do. You give kids moves. Uh,
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with, um, was it you, John, who said that all the characters are like, they have a role to play? Like a, I did. A yeah, role I did. To play. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about this movie is that it's not, it's not dumb and the mm-hmm. characters aren't dumb. It's, it's, and it doesn't, the film itself doesn't take the audience to be dumb. Um, these seem like real, realistic characters in the way that college girls might actually act, unlike, you know, the sort of bimbo stereotype that we see in a lot of female characters in slasher films. Um, there's no gratuitous nudity. We don't see any like unnecessary scenes of them like running around topless or in the shower or whatever and each
3: other with towels
2: right like it's (laughs) it's not a male fantasy of what a a sorority house is like um and these are like intelligent characters who are trying to do the right thing and they're not making stupid choices you know one of their one of their own goes missing and they try to do something about it they they take action to go to the police station and they're pissed off when they're basically dismissed Mm mm-hmm And they try to find an alternate way to to make something happen to to solve the mystery. And similarly, you know, they try to do something about the phone calls. They're they're not just stupid victims waiting to get picked off and their characters are not cardboard tropes just to fill certain, um, certain roles that are expected to be in a horror film. And I appreciate that on the part of the writer and, and Bob Clark, the director Um. I think there's like a lot of um, it's like, I think it's a film that's supportive of women and I appreciate that. It's got um, a strong cast. Yeah. It has a strong cast. Um, Jess as the character is a strong character. She's not afraid to speak up to her boyfriend. Um, this may or may not be a slightly unhealthy relationship given some of his anger and threatening and controlling behavior. Uh, that makes me uncomfortable, but she's not afraid to stand up to him. Yeah. and say what she wants to do about the difficult situation that they find themselves in with her pregnancy.
0: But that was the one thing about her boyfriend's character. What was his name? Michael or whatever his name was. Peter. 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 So, so Peter just Peter, tried
3: Peter bumpkin eater. Pumpkin,
0: <laughs> uh, I thought I thought he portrayed himself, and and the character was great, or the actor was great playing that character mm-hmm. of of trying to be this macho sensitive guy, like trying to overcompensate being macho. And and you're right, Jacqueline. I thought I thought uh, Bob Clark did a really good job with this character of of him trying to overcompensate, and you saw that in the movie of him trying to be. Uh, so masculine and, and, and I guess during the times of 1974 is that I control my woman, but he just could not because she was so, she was such an empowering character herself that it was just like, he would have to back, like, what was the worst thing he did? He bashed his freaking piano and he's a pianist, pianist.
2: penis. I have to, I have to make a side comment about that. Um, As somebody who loves and, and plays the piano, that hurt my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure destruct- <laughs> and also, I'm sorry, but that piano probably cost at least like 30 or 40 grand uh, and belongs to the school. grand piano. <laughs> yeah. But that that that's an instrument that belongs to the school. I don't think that he I would know. just like smash it and then just get away scot-free. Like he's not graduating without- Maybe that's, that's why he was back. so
3: quick to like give up his musical career after that because he was like, I don't have one anymore. Like don't <laughs> well, piano. I-
0: I loved his, I loved his playing where it was just so off key. I think would have made that scene better because he's so distracted. (laughs) The three people got up and just walked out because he was so bad at like, because he was so distracted to playing his Mozart or Bach or whatever. I'm sorry. That little
3: speech when he tells her too, like, oh, I'll, I'll give up my dreams and we'll get married and whatever. And she kind of tells him like, that's great that you're willing to do that, but I'm not going to do that. I still want to pursue my dreams.
2: I was like this. I was like this when like, she
0: get said that. that. Michael, we have nerve from you, buddy.
1: <laughs> oh, I was letting you guys go. It's all oh. good. <laughs> no, nah, I, I'm the the same way. I, I was when I watched this movie. Now, after seeing the other two remakes of it, uh, you could see the the growth of um, uh, female empowerment you know this one you you it touched on it a little more the second one uh the, the first remake they they fight back a lot more and then the third one it, it's pretty much you know uh, women kicking ass all over the place so i think this kind of really helped kick off that female empowerment in horror movies too so yeah uh yeah,
2: even even in something that like in halloween from four years is it four years later um the so the female characters in that movie, I think, are not as well drawn and not as mm-hmm. realistic. Um, they're sort of relegated to more simplistic roles. Like Linda is obviously the slutty one, uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. is kind of like the goody two shoes, and then Annie is sort of like smart, wise cracking gal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't think we we really have as much of a sense of their personhood as the women in this in this film. Mm-hmm.
3: One of the strongest women in this film, I thought, was Mrs. Mac,
2: mm-hmm. and the
3: we'll way she hides all her booze in, in <laughs> hollow books and toilet tanks.
1: And you will never ever boxes. convince me. You will never convince me that uh, Mrs. Garrett was not fashioned after. Oh
0: my god! I agree. I thought about this last <laughs> time awesome. I watched it. I was never like, thought that about is that. Is Mrs. Garrett, right there. You know who's Mrs. Garrett?
3: Uh, facts alive. Farrell, never facts alive. 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 <laughs>
2: I remember. Uh, no, I, I don't remember it well enough. I remember the theme song and that's about it.
3: There's even a scene with Mrs. Mm-hmm. Mack when she gets ready to leave the house with uh, Claire's <laughs> dad. She like brushes her teeth and then like rinses her mouth out with booze.
1: Right. Why would you rinse your mouth? That's out? what you do. I mean,
2: <laughs> fun fact, Andrea Martin, who plays Phyllis in this film, played the house mother in the 2006 version.
3: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A little reach around.
2: I don't remember if her name was Mrs. Mack in that movie, but she's the house mother.
3: Mm.
0: I love the fact that she actually had the girls back too when the dad showed up and you know, they've got all the posters and stuff like that. She's trying to hide it and just like, Oh yeah. yeah.
3: The nudity. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I kind of see that as covering her own ass because I think in those days, the house mother was kind of seen as like responsible for the girls. And if they got up to no good, then it was kind of blamed on the house mother.
0: She still had their back though. Yeah, she She did.
2: But I love that line when she's like, all talking nice to the father but then he walks away or she goes somewhere and then she's like these broads would hump the leaning tower of Pisa if they could get up there <laughs> so it's like obviously she's hip to all their you know shenanigans and stuff but she still puts on a her? facade that like they're chased little angels yeah. when they're not and they they're do nothing like women. study while they're yeah, in exactly the
3: her yeah. death too is fucking awesome yeah Ripped it's intense the attic. Yeah, man, and you get the point of view, Billy. Yeah, like letting it go. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hits her, and then you just she's there in, in the background, like later on in scenes, just hanging there with Claire.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not, Claire. I don't think she would be visible from the window like Claire was. No, she's too far I, back.
0: I thought the continuity of like that setting was wonderful you know, the fact that Claire was still in the rocking chair and Mrs. Mack was actually still hanging there because they showed that shot a couple of times. And it was just, I, I love the continuity of it. They, 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 there was nothing changed about it. You know, the way mm-hmm. the attic looked and everything. So,
2: uh, Something I'd like to talk about is the just the aesthetic of this movie. I There's so much that I love about it. I don't even know where to start. Um, I love the house as a setting mm-hmm. for all the a events that take setting. place uh-huh. here. Um, I think it has like a really wonderful kind of seventies vibe to it. Like this kind of dark orange carpet and there's crazy wall, like geometric wallpaper in their rooms and stuff like that. Um, But the way that it's lit, it's like there's shadows everywhere. And it's never, it's never bright, you know, and there's all this dark wood everywhere and which looks really rich and beautiful, but it also kind of makes things a little darker. Mm -hmm. And the way that the, the light plays on, you know, in the, different areas that you can see the shadows moving. It's so great. And I think that the Christmas vibe is so strong here. I love it. You get these exterior shots of the sorority house and there's, there's snow outside on the ground and there's lights in the trees and it feels very like picturesque and perfect. And it gives you that warm feeling, but. Then Let's,
0: let me add on to that, Jacqueline, is that we had talked about uh, silent night from 2012 last week did you feel cold like when they were outside looking for the girl i and you saw their breath and they're outside obviously they're in canada during winter time but it was like 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 you compare that movie to silent night from 2012 where it's just you felt cold. You felt like the winter season, you felt the warmth when you were inside, you know, the nice warm lights, but you would mm-hmm. go outside and you were like, Ooh, you know, even though I don't live in the Midwest anymore, I was like, like my body literally went, Ooh, it's cold outside. And I, I, I kind of warm my hands. Oh wait, it's warm out here. I'm good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought about you while I was watching it specifically during that scene, you mentioned where they were searching for the little girl in the park. And I was like, I bet this is going to make John happy because I think they got the aesthetic right this time for winter and Absolutely. it feels like winter. And you can see people's breath. And there's snow on the ground and nary a palm tree in sight. <laughs> exactly. Really Jacqueline, right. like
3: you were saying, going back, like definitely it's like the contrast of like the outside of the house, the snow, the sense of Christmas and like winter, the Christmas lights. It's so like nice and serene. But then you just don't know what's actually going on inside. The house is so terrifying and like, right. It looks so nice from the outside, but inside there's such horrors going on. It's like crazy. Yeah.
2: Well, and like the inside of the house, it looks like warm and inviting, but Mm -hmm. at the same time they do, there's so many great little moments that make it feel so creepy. Like just the way the staircase looks just feels ominous and the dark attic and there's like weird shit up there. It's like, what what the fuck are people putting in this (laughs) attic? And, um, It's very dark in there and you can barely see anything. And then later when Jess is trying to hide from the killer after she finds out that he's in the house and he grabs her hair and she thinks it might be Peter who kicks the window and it's like very dark and there's lots of corners and shadowy areas where she's kind of retreating. I mean, she looks like a scared animal uh, hiding from a predator like ready to defend herself if she has to. She looks, she she reminded me of like a a beautiful deer like Mm -hmm. hiding from a I don't know, fucking tiger or something. I don't know what hunts deer. But you you, you also
0: have to give a lot of credit to the cinematographer of the way that was shot. Yes. Oh, I definitely do. The lighting, everything like that was very meticulous and very, you know, it, it seemed very, um, you know, planned the way this was, it didn't seem accidental of the way they shot her eyes. Like you said, Jacqueline was like deers in a headlight, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there was this, just this really creepy, uneasy feeling throughout the movie, especially the last two thirds of them or the last third of the movie where it just felt like, Oh my gosh, a, a cat and mouse game. And it, mm-hmm. oh my! And that's what yes, makes it brilliant. That's
2: exactly what it feels like. This, you're right.
1: This had a um, lot. This had a lot of Jalo uh, style impact. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The the style, the the filming, the you really see it in the scene with the hand kind of knocking over the the crystal figurines and everything. Um, yeah, it was very. Uh, yeah, jealous. Barb's kill. Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: exactly. Definitely. Um, and I wanted to point out one other great moment too right when, when um jess is on the phone with the uh sergeant nash who tells her just get out of there the killer's in the house there's a moment where the music kind of is shrill for a second as she realizes like uh-huh. he's there and there are just these there it's like this series of still shots of different points in the house these empty spaces where he could be. and you could kind of feel yeah you could feel her considering like is he over here? Is he over yeah. here? You see the empty upstairs, you see this empty doorway, you see this empty spot. Uh-huh. Yeah, he could so be any well he could be anywhere. And but it's all empty space. There's nothing to see there. But that her acting her, her like the fear that she's experiencing is palpable. The music is is tense. And the just this series of shots is so creepy. And um, it, it gives she you love that feeling that of like sorry, go
3: ahead. I said I actually love that scene. That's great. Just the the whole like the calls are coming from inside the house like is so iconic.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I,
3: did I, did anything do? Is this the first movie that ever actually did that? <clears throat> I like. What were you
2: saying? I have, oh, I have an answer to that actually. Okay. It's in my trivia. Um, so I was, when I was watching this, I was like, I can't remember if this was first or the movie When a Stranger, Stranger calls, calls with, with mm-hmm. Carol Kane. And I looked it up, and When a Stranger Calls is much later. It's 1979. Okay. But apparently there was some movie in 1973 that also used it. But that trope is based on like an urban legend.
3: Yeah. Of like I think a babysitter. That's what I remember. The,
2: so that's the Stories origin of that. that
3: I that. Heard as a kid
2: yeah check yeah the yeah
0: children mm-hmm.
2: exactly so that's where that whole concept came from so, but so this effective. was one of the first movies to use it i'll, I'll have to check my trivia later but I, I believe there was a movie in 1973 that used that okay as well um but no you're you're right that it's 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 one of the first ones and then
3: she so, has to make the decision like do i just walk out the door that's right there or do i go upstairs i don't know really why you would go upstairs but i guess because she was you know some of her sisters are you know unaccounted for so
2: yeah, well, she's not she's exactly sure. Which,
0: yeah, yeah, she's not exactly sure what's going on, so she wants yeah. to, but she's always hesitant. She's always mm-hmm. looking up there. But to me, you know, I thought it was interesting because a lot of people misinterpret this as being the first slasher movie or the first movie that used POV. <laughs> I took the suggestion of Hyderberg of watching the Joe Bob version of this after I had watched it just by itself, and you know, he he put a lot of laid away of of those you know, thoughts that, okay, this is the first Slash movie ever. This is the first movie that used POV. In fact, he talked about a movie from um, from um, um, Alfred Hitchcock that, that he had done back in the 40s of using POV. But I thought the way that the uh, um, dir- director of photography came up with this rig of using a POV, even before Steadicam, you know, and, and the way he did it and the, the use of POV, and it being a slasher, you know, it's just everything that intertwined was so beautifully done. Cinematography, the aesthetic, the the characters. I mean, to me, this just kind of had a perfect storm of everything that you love mm-hmm. in a horror movie.
3: The ambiguous killer, like... That was the problem. That See, to I me was the he, problem. To me, it's... I don't know. Like, you get glimpses of him, but you never know yeah. what he looks like, truly. I and mean, he's obviously a Caucasian male. He's got, like, dirty blondish hair, maybe, but that's why we can think he's Peter, but Right, like that—that that scene of just his eyes through the crack in the door is like so effective to me. It was That's fucking scary. I'm like, I, can but, you
2: imagine just turning around and you see that fucking eyeball. Yeah, it's at you? still
3: it's
0: still effective to this day, just like the phone calls are. And it's I so think the I, I think the way the movie ended really kind of and, and again watching it multiple times, you see the very end to the very end. You're just like. Oh, okay. I got it. I, I think the idea of, of the killer being ambiguous was kind of a dumb idea, but I think at the very end of the movie, the way the, the phone call was ringing and you can make, you know, you can make, uh, um, you know, a lot of arguments of, you know, why the fuck was she left by herself? That's one of my house, complaints, bro. And
3: they did not do anything. Police crime scenes are not done that way. They would search. They would have found Claire's body and Mrs. Max. They wouldn't have just stopped searching because. While the attic is dead. still
0: open. So and they so wouldn't so have left fun.
3: Jess, who's pregnant. Yeah. Alone. By herself house, after all this shit just happened. Just have what, an officer outside? But that lends to the movie's ending, which is very good. So that's like, what
0: that's kind of yeah, wrapped it up wonderfully it. Yeah, for that. me. So the
3: whole pan out of the attic and like Claire's still up there and Jess is going to sleep and then we you know you know that fucking yeah, Billy's still in the house. He's still in, in the fucking movie, house. Movie, you know movie, he's gonna movie. probably kill Jess in her sleep.
2: Yeah, the way the way that the the ending credits start rolling and there's no music. You know mm-hmm. we, we we've come to expect music over ending credits, but it's silence. And, and your phone starts ringing yeah. i love that but john i want to go back to something you said what what did you mean about the killer being ambiguous like we know who the killer is
0: no you don't no i said that there, there, there's zero i I'm sorry, there, I thought it was Charles. but but there's zero there's like you get no indication of anybody any other character well, in the movie of, who, it, of who he is it's yeah. just somebody random oh, at, okay,
2: least, okay. at least at
0: least yeah. at least in Halloween. You get a little bit of a back. I'm talking 1978, not Rob Zombie, fuck him. Um- I, <laughs> <talk into laughs> it. I brought it up um no you get a, a backstory a little bit of michael myers that he kills his sister when he's six years old and then you just see him with a knife that's bigger than he is with blood all over it yeah. and then boom and you get into the story of
3: halloween we hear the name billy but he's never actually we don't know that that's actually yeah we don't name. we don't know
2: I, I guess i think we're just using that as shorthand as yeah like yeah assumption. that's the name
3: i would give him because that's the name used the most yeah
2: Okay, I thought you guys were trying to say that it might actually be Peter, and I was like... No,
3: no, it's just like... you know, He's always in the shadows. We get his point of view, but you never see him. You see a glimpse of his face real quick when he's killing Barb. He's ambiguous throughout
0: the movie because you don't know who the
3: fuck he is, so... Okay, all
2: right, gotcha. Sorry, I misunderstood.
3: But yeah, the police not searching properly and sort of just, like, leaving lickety-split. Like, oh, well, we wrap things up now, you know? (laughs) Must be the guy downstairs dead. That's definitely the killer. Like, that seems a little... A little just convenient to me. That is one of my gripes.
2: Michael, do you have any gripes with this movie?
1: Um, Other than the non-nudity. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you have a slasher movie from the 70s. I need my... In a sorority movie. house. In a sorority house. You could have had like
3: Revenge of the Nerds type fucking nudity in this, right?
1: Well, that, that Margo
3: really
0: Kidder. Margo Kidder was hot back in the day. She so-
1: wasn't. so was Jess olivia hussey was hotter yeah oh, yeah. oh my heard. god
2: olivia hussey i mean she's got to be beautiful. one of the most beautiful women ever yeah.
1: she's
0: so exotic looking too i mean she
2: she's is British, half but... english half argentinian
0: oh is wow. she okay great mix
3: i well, love that she hair. was
0: 15 in romeo and juliet when you know she showed off her oh yeah tatas
2: mm-hmm.
0: which, which 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 led to you know actors having to be 18 before they can show nudity
2: oh my god wait she was 15 when she showed when she was nude
0: maybe maybe 16
3: um that makes me me feel not good
0: yeah me too i i felt because when i saw that in the movie i was like oh no wait i feel bad
2: i guess i kind of just assumed (laughs) that like all nudity in film was always like required to be 18 and up Mm
0: -mm. not back in the day Mm. it was that's
2: a yucky feeling yeah
0: it is. I, I, I agree with you, Jacqueline. I'm just kind of like ugh. ugh. I I'm think maybe sh- in future
2: it, prints of that, they should remove that scene, knowing that sh- knowing now like what our requirements are.
0: You know what's weird about that? Let me let me share a uh, physical media.
3: Story.
0: Yeah, I I, <laughs> I went to uh in high school, I took a drama class. I, I it was one of my required classes. I think it was maybe a junior. They showed that movie in its entirety.
3: That was the last so time. So they I
0: had told. that so so the, the drama teacher said okay class well i'm gonna pause it right here but you were gonna see some nudity in this next scene boom soon enough it was olivia hussey her breasts exposed and this girl's 16 years old and i'm a 16 year old kid in high school
2: watching this <laughs> going
0: wow mm-hmm. i feel uncomfortable I Really? oh yeah
2: it's it's very hard for me to imagine a 16 year old boy feeling uncomfortable seeing a 16 year old I could watch
3: my any head Friday Friday I, thir- that, I
0: could watch no. any Friday the 13th movie or anything like that and be like oh yeah I was 16 years old but that just for some reason made me feel uncomfortable um, Hydra
2: is skeptical
0: <laughs> no I could watch I could watch those other slasher movies and see it and be like totally titillated by it and be like yay hey. oh, Nice. but not that movie in particular saying, It was huh? weird because I think maybe because I was watching it in a high school drama class. Yeah. I was watching hair. it and People, just kind yeah, of be that's like fair.
3: around everybody.
2: Uh, I'm
0: surprised. Just, the
3: fact your that, teacher like, you were 16. She was kind of... 16. Doesn't necessarily even make it. Okay. Cause it's still like, she's a 16 year old girl put on celluloid. What made it worse rubber.
0: is he paused Dude, the movie yeah. and says, you're going to see nudity in this next scene. Boom. There it was. I'm surrounded by my peers, my fellow classmates going, oh okay you were like i gotta gotta go go to the bathroom coach I i could watch a horror movie and see it by myself and i'd be fine but i'm surrounded by 25 other students that that are my age going like oh my god i just saw some titties on the tv so
3: it's like when nudity came on the screen when you're watching a movie with your parents and you're just like oh i don't know what to do
2: Yes, yeah, super. Yeah, my parents, my
0: yeah. my parents were the type where they'd go like this to my head face, and i be like, "Oh, I want to uh, see that." That's this. why you don't have an appreciation for and I get it now. I'm 45 years old, <laughs> so I I have a total appreciation. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> five, Michael. Oh, sorry. Not me.
2: Oh my God. Well, I would just like to say that any teacher showing that in a classroom today would probably have some kind of official reprimand if not like no, be they'd be tired they'd be gone yeah. they'd be out yeah. <laughs> when i was teaching we weren't even allowed to show i mean i taught uh, high school students age like 15 16 17 i wasn't even allowed to show them pg 13 movies oh. everything i showed them had to be pg or g
3: nice i which is remember is lame. Wa- watching the still, outsiders as a kid in hard. in uh, english class
2: isn't that? I think that's rated PG, right? Is it? Yeah, it well, that...
3: was, was like PG 13 soda back then. You got a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could get away with a lot more. We read the book, PG and then he's he
3: like, if you guys get through the book, we'll, we'll watch the movie. So that was our mm-hmm. reward.
2: I showed what that was in the, class as well.
0: Was it Catcher on the Ride that had like, 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 where some holding something went to the Holding Caulfield? And he saw fuck you on like a statue or something like that. And we read that out loud in class, which was awesome. Cause my buddy, Mike, my buddy, Mike would actually read it. And it's like, he went up to the statue and it said, fuck you on it. And he said it in class in front of everybody, but it's part but it's of on the ride. It's
2: what's It's what's there.
3: <laughs> so
2: um, You can say it. I wouldn't get I mad like, at my student for reading that. if it, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what it is.
3: So but, going back anyway. Think, um, about the movie. <laughs> having seen this movie. We're talking about a movie time now. I do actually think that this ending might be one of one of the best endings in horror that I've seen in a while. Like, even though it's an older movie, like it's so just so effective. Like you said, with the no soundtrack sort of just panning out and the credits start rolling and you're left your imagination like what's going to happen Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: the ambiguity was fine to me. The way the way the phone was ringing, you're just like, oh,
2: oh, shit. I I think it just leaves you on a nice kind of ominous note.
0: Very nice, it's like Mm -hmm. beautiful. Well done, Bob Clark.
2: Perfect ending. Um, I'd I'd like to talk for a minute about comparisons between this movie and Halloween. I think a lot of times people, I think you guys have already highlighted that sometimes people erroneously say that this is like the first slasher film. Um, People also, like people even less in the know often will say things like Halloween is the first slasher, which we know is not the case. But there has been sort of a a debate about whether certain aspects of Halloween were sort of lifted from black Christmas, such as the killer point of view um, kind of perspective that we get and, uh, you know, some of the stuff on the phone and things like that. And I just wanted to know what y'all's opinions were on that.
3: There is the reveal in the end, which uh, plenty of slashes have done since. I don't know if there were a lot before that where, Uh, Jess gets to see like a lot of the kills right like oh my god I opened up this door and there's Barb's body and what's her name and so like she gets that you get that reveal of like what the killer's been up to and and this final girl finally sees all the you know the mayhem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree with that I
0: I think the POV was kind of elevated from from Black Christmas to Halloween and like you just said, Hydraberg, like the reveal of of yeah, what's really going on in this house? Yeah, Halloween that, has it. You say, it, you know, have it. Yeah, Lori Strode sees her friends just massacred. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so does Jess. Uh, the POV of the killer. You know, even at the very beginning of of Halloween, That's you breathing. know, you see a, a kid. Yeah, exactly. The breathing. You see the mask go over the over the camera. Um, the thing that this thing did is it it, it kind of took the idea of a slasher, which I guess, you know, could be dated back to the 30s or whatever. And, and POV of what what um, Alfred Hitchcock did in one of his earlier films and just kind of like meshed him together just wonderfully. And it just it created this tension. It created this just this masterpiece of a horror movie.
1: Hmm.
2: Michael, how do you feel about this film in comparison with Halloween?
1: In comparison to Halloween, it's, it's the typical, I mean, well, th- this movie was based off uh, a real uh, story anyway, in, in Montreal about uh, a babysitter and the man upstairs kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So the whole babysitter aspect leading into Halloween, it, all slasher films kind of borrow from each other anyway. Um, even though this really isn't a slasher, you could argue both ways on that one to be perfectly honest, in my opinion, but um, I, I think yeah, Halloween borrowed some um, certain aspects, like like we talked about the the POV shot and and so on. But um, uh, every everyone's going to be different in their own way. You just got to take them for their own uh, what their their story, what their own little that's, piece of the pie is.
3: That's a yeah, good point because even Friday Thirteenth, like behind the scenes, they've said that like we were literally just trying to make like Halloween again and <laughs> our exactly. own version to make money because it made money. So right
1: but they added their own little flair, their own little spice here and there, and it became Man. its own entity. So something to put more boobs in it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you, you could say that about any horror movie as well, though, you know, it's kind of yeah. this elevation of, you know, what subgenre are you going to go slasher sci-fi, whatever it's going to be. It's that kind of elevation. I mean, even with vampire movies, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I, I think to me, you know, the enjoyment I get out of this is a, Christmas horror classic. You know, I don't I don't sit there and lump Black Christmas with Halloween. I, I yes, there are absolutely comparisons of the POV shot of the reveal whatever it might be, but it's it's kind of its own subgenre. This you know, it's on one side as far as the echelon of where it's at, it's really high up just like Halloween is or Halloween horror movie. You know, horror movies period are just like in these their own little boxes. Mm-hmm
2: uh there's actually a rumor circulating i don't know if there's any truth to it i don't know if anybody really knows if there's any truth to it but that bob clark had a conversation with um john john carpenter yeah i was trying to say west carpenter because i was thinking of in scream when when well you remember when tatum and scream is like it's like you're in some west carpenter movie Um, (laughs) but there's some rumor that the two of them had a conversation and that bob clark had told John Carpenter that if he ever made a sequel to Black Christmas, he would set it at Halloween time and have Billy have been institutionalized, but then that he escaped and went back to the sorority house on Halloween. And so some people are like, oh, John Carpenter totally stole his idea. Now, I don't know if that has been substantiated. Again, that's one of those things that like probably nobody really knows whether that took place or not. But um, it's an interesting idea. And so I think it kind of fuels that fire of wanting to compare them. Um, and it's not just the POV and you know, the phone stuff. It's like, you know, man stalking young women in a house and stuff well, like that. Well, they call that. it a trope.
0: That's why they call it yeah. a trope. I yeah. mean, every lots every of, movie. Lots of every movie has a trope, right? I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. What I believe is that, yeah, maybe they had a conversation of like, I would do a holiday themed movie, whatever it's going to be, you yeah. know, but if you look at John Carpenter or you see interviews with him, he was like, I don't want to have Michael Myers in number two. I wanted to make it an anthology. I wanted to make About Halloween something Halloween. different, you know, which mm-hmm. is why I think he enjoyed Halloween three more. And I think highly of Halloween three season of the witch as well. So Same. my mom.
1: Well, think about, curious. That, what think you about that. Think about that spinoff of Black Christmas when Billy was in the institution and then they had a camping trip and he drowned and then he became the slasher in the woods. Remember that mm. one? <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 yo.
0: <laughs> lick, 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 lick. Your killer, mommy. Yo, gross. <laughs> sorry, I'm not
3: gonna go farther. I'm sorry. Yeah. Lick, lick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Anyway, no <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh. Michael, I'm curious. You had said before you didn't really consider this a slasher. What, what would you consider this movie? What um, if you had to put it in a subgenre?
1: I, I would. I mean, you can argue that it is a slasher, but yeah. I would. I would still kind of put this more in a um, a stock kind of film. You okay, know, like a thriller. Movie. Yeah, How about a home invasion. Home invasion. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. One.
2: Stock and slash, perhaps. Mm.
3: That sounds like uh, like a fun Stays night.
2: In the shake.
3: Yeah. <laughs> You guys want to go to Stalk and Slash for dinner? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Let's call John Carpenter. Hey, we got a
3: new Um, Sub-John for you, buddy. Hold on. Ring, 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 ring. I got Rob Zombie on the line. Oh, fuck it. You (laughs) You know he wants a Stalk and Slash. (laughs) I'm going to lick your vagina. Okay. Okay, Rob. Sorry.
2: (laughs) I like how I didn't even have to bring up Rob Zombie on this episode. Both of you guys did it for me. Yeah. So let it be known that it's not always me. uh Uh, no i i think i think you don't even necessarily have to choose one thing or the other i think it it's a suspense movie i think it's a slasher uh it has it has elements of several different things it's a stalker home invasion movie i think it's it's kind of a melange if you will
3: i think yeah i think it's better off because of that too i don't i don't need my horror movies to just fit in one little box either yeah
0: some of the silliness, I mean, it, it goes by the wayside because it still is. Even watching it now is still very disturbing. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you've know, you got you've got an uneasy feeling watching this movie because I think you have the perspective from the killer and you kind of feel dirty about that. Like you're yeah, yeah. you're watching these these girls, these these, um, you know, early 20 women and you're watching through his point of view and you're just like, oh, I feel kind of. Uneasy about this. I also yeah. think,
3: oh, what are
2: you saying? Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, I think it's always upsetting to be placed in the position of the, the killer in a movie, whether it's this or the opening scene of Halloween with Michael Myers. Um, also in I don't know if you guys are familiar with Peeping Tom, this British film from 1960. It was the same year as Psycho, but it's this um killer who's like a, a photographer, and he's like watching these women through the lens of his camera and then kills them with his tripod. It's very phallic.
3: Uh, his tripod,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're very much in in his perspective as he's killing these women. It's always, I think that's always upsetting, and it makes yeah. you feel dirty, like you said.
3: Absolutely. Sorry. What,
2: what else were you saying, Heiderberg I think we started at the same time.
3: Uh, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought. I forgot. What I was Sorry. Saying. That's alright. I think we hit it all, though.
0: Right, folks. <sighs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh and no, he- I was gonna say just um, I I kind of like the fact that like um. What's her name? Uh, Jess like kills her boyfriend like. Has to like she feels like she has to because she's so scared.
2: Well, wait a minute, does she?
3: Yeah, doesn't she? She does, because the police come downstairs and he's dead, like at her lap. Like a body thought bag. Billy killed sure. him
2: and like, knocked no, no, he
3: kills him thinking he's the killer. And then right. they're like, oh, look, we found the killer. It must have been Peter. Right, so that's why they leave her upstairs alone after they console her and make sure everything is okay. They're checking the rest of the fucking house.
2: I I guess, I guess I always interpreted it that the police that Billy attacked them both in the basement and the and then killed killed Peter and like knocked out Olivia Hussey. and then the nah. police found them and Je- assumed that she, she killed, killed him.
3: Peter. Jess would have been dead. He picks up a weapon. Yeah, I, believe. I don't would remember have been what dead. it was. Yeah, she picks something up when he's coming towards her. You know, trying to be like, oh, I'm here to help you. You know, you come through the window and she just thinks it's the killer the whole time. Like, but why is she (laughs) like, she killed him, like
2: half con. She's like, not conscious. She's so
3: distraught. She's just like, she killed him. She's she's exhausted from everything and she's like, she probably collapsed and he's like dead at her fucking lap, like bloodied up. That's what I took it as. His
0: his eyes were still open too. So that's like the telltale sign of like somebody being killed, like,
3: Mm -hmm. you know, not moving with their eyes open. So. Yeah, I never took it that Billy got him. I think Billy oh. was still hiding it at, at that point. She like, would have been dead if Billy got him.
2: Yeah, Michael, what did you think?
1: I thought, uh, you know, I really didn't put too much thought into that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just glad that he was dead. I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like his hair. Fuck I'll, him. <laughs> I'll mention it when I get to, to feathered my. Feathered fucking haircut. I didn't like. I, it. I really didn't like most of the characters in this movie. Whoa. So, Yeah, which I guess I'm, I'm, that's why I haven't said anything yet because you guys were raving about them all. But um, yeah, I didn't like most of them. I had a few favorites, but that's about it. So you hate women. That's what you're saying. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: not what he's saying. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We know, we know, Michael.
1: Okay, good.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear what Michael thinks of the characters.
2: You're going to save that for your rating, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, with that being said, are you guys ready to give your ratings on this?
1: Yeah, All let's right. get with a review.
2: All right. Michael, you want to go first and kick us off?
1: Uh, no, because I don't want to come up with the uh, the little item thing.
2: Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Hyderberg,
1: you should go, go first
2: and come up with our unit of measurement.
3: I could whisper it to you, Michael. Or I could call you <laughs> and tell you what it is. Michael. Michael. <laughs> it's me, Billy. <laughs> anyway. Um... I really like the atmosphere of this film. We touched on it, the house, the, the you know, they go to other places, but it's mainly a single setting uh, movie and the house is just like its own character and it's really well done. Like you said, the, uh, just the lighting of it and the warmth of it while everything, you know, the evil inside at the same time. It's just, it's really good. The killer stalking the girls inside the home is just so creepy and effective. I really like that. I like that he gets in the house from the very beginning and we just know it. They don't. Um, We get to see them find out slowly over time. I think not seeing Billy also fully or knowing his motives other than, you know, the thrill of killing these girls is really effective as our antagonist. And um, like, he definitely, he's, he remains in my mind since I've seen the movie, like his character, you don't, you don't get much about him, but fuck you remember him, especially those eyes. And that, 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 that tongue, that devilish tongue is, (laughs) <laughs> no Filthy your tongue. Yeah, that's Filthy I mean. tongue.
2: you need some soap in that thing
3: I also like speaking of which I, I like his perverted ramblings on the phone they make me laugh and cringe at the same time the way he goes from perversion to seriously like I'm gonna kill you it's just like it's kind of nerve wracking and I also I love the ending of this The the red herring taking the fall and our killer still on the loose is such a good ending in my opinion and the slow pan out of the house and just like hey everything's wrapped up but it's not You know, and Jess is sleeping alone and we probably can figure out what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just glad that they didn't actually make a sequel or anything. Like, we don't need to know what happened. Like, we pretty much can figure it out. But who knows? Um, Some cons. uh, There's some really unbelievable shoddy police work in this film. Like, (laughs) even though Officer Nash is like the dumbest cop I've ever seen, like, even the smart cops are kind of dumb when it comes to, like, you know, completing a crime scene and and doing an investigation. You know, and it leaves holes in the plot, which I know service the, the, the overall story, you know, in a, in a way. But still, it's sort of a ding, in my opinion. You know, they don't search the entire house. They leave Jess alone, sleeping. And, you know, I just feel like you would have took her to the hospital, especially she's pregnant. Like, I don't know if they know that eventually, but like, she's pregnant. You would have took her to the hospital to have her. Hold on, let,
0: let, let me give you a fact about that. They do yeah. know because do, one right? of the one of the calls comes from. That's right the boyfriend and she says oh it's my choice yeah and tells That's the cop right. that she's pregnant so
3: so but, yeah they yeah. would have took her over there to be at least you know evaluated because of what she went through um i said before you guys kind of talked me out of it but i did write down and i thought uh barb i felt like could have been a little bit more fleshed out but maybe i just kind of missed the phone call like the subtlety of that and like that does it does lend enough to like show there's some depth to her character that i didn't really notice the first time Um, Other than just her, you know, saying dick jokes and being kind of like a foul mouth little hussy, but like she's not. Though she's way more than that, you know. And I thought Margot Kidder does a really good job portraying her character, even though like that was my one ding with her with any of the characters. Um, And uh, no one hearing Billy from in the attic, I just find kind of unbelievable. Like you would have heard him. Somebody would have heard something. Uh, with all that said, I'm going to give uh, Black Christmas from 1974. I'm going to give it a solid nine out of ten prank calls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. A high score from Heidelberg. That's one of yeah, your really high like scores this yet.
3: It is. Yeah. It's a good film.
2: Huh. Well, good. All right. Michael, you ready to give us your rating?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, let's start with how I said before. I, I didn't really care for a lot of the characters. Um, Barb was probably the major one. I felt she was so out of place um, with all the other characters. We had, you know, nice, wholesome Jess. We had uh, I forget the nerdy girl's name, but, you know, tell they us,
3: They—they
1: they had this bond. Claire was so innocent. I mean, <clears throat> there, there was a lot of um, innocent and almost sisterhood. And this one seemed like the the older sister than or the older cousin that nobody wanted to, to hang out with. You know, she just seemed so out of place for me. Um, some of the other characters like uh, Peter, I just I didn't like him. Uh, now, that could be attributed to great writing because he was such an asshole.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he was the the one that's, you know, well, you you will not uh, abort that baby. There was there was just no discussion on that. He it was either going to be his way or, you know, well, no other way. It was going to be his way. Um so I didn't like him. I didn't like uh, the the officers except for John Saxon, but you know, he's he was beloved because of who he is. Uh, the character, meh, you know, um, I did like how classy the movie was. Everything was kind of um, in the in the shadows, not in your face, but at the same time, I need some explanation. I need to see some more. I don't want all these kills to be off screen. I don't want, all this other, you know, subtlety. I, I want some in-your-face uh, action or gore or something along those lines. Um, now, granted, at that point in time, that wasn't a big thing. It didn't come until you know several years later. We started getting it with Halloween and, and so on. But uh, I would have liked a little more of, of something like that. Um, I love the phone calls. I think they're hilarious. <laughs> uh, not not at all cringeworthy. Just hilarious. I because I could see myself doing that when I was like 15 years old. <laughs>
2: Michael, we're gonna have to have a little talk.
1: You <laughs> kind of make me cringe in a good way. Like <laughs> I just can't
3: I, I, believe the stuff he's saying. I'm like, whoa.
1: <laughs> all the, the crank calls I used to do when I was younger. Yeah, we used you to know? do that
3: too.
1: I, I used to call churches and tell them my my toaster was reading me satanic psalms. You know, what so <laughs> so I do? So I appreciated the crank call aspect of it. Um the uh I still think I would like a little more explanation <sighs> as to the killer and a little more explanation as to motive and things along those lines. But at the same time, I do love the, at the end, the um, ambiguity of it all. The, I, oh my God, I love. And I think it was Mandy that did it too. When the credits start rolling and it's just dead silent, you know, or yes. in this one, it's just the, the phone is ringing. There's such an ominous feel to that. There's no closure Even in Mandy, when you do get closure, but the credits are rolling and it's dead silent. Mm
2: -hmm. You're
1: left wondering. Oh, my God. And I love that aspect of it. I think that's probably one of the biggest saving graces of this movie for me. So my all in all, great suspense. Um, Not much in the way of horror. I would have liked a little more explanation. Um, Some comedic moments, some characters that I hated and uh, a great ominous feeling at the end. I'm going to give it six of those uh, phone calls out of ten.
2: All right very nice
1: you go Jacqueline
2: all right well uh I'm I'm gonna make a bold statement here and I'm gonna say that I think that this I I do consider this movie a slasher but I also hear what you were saying Michael about it that that it could be considered some other things too I'm gonna say this is my favorite slasher I think that it does so many things well and I think that it um I, I I get what you guys are saying about some of your gripes, like the shoddy police work and um, feeling like Barb is out of place. I I do see her as different from the other women. Just to kind of address that point, I do see Barb as different from the other women in some ways. But you know, she's kind. I think she is kind of a misfit. I think that's part of her character is that she doesn't feel like she fits in anywhere. She doesn't fit in with her family and. She's like, she's got to live somewhere. (laughs) Um, I think maybe she's kind of a misfit in this house as well. Like when she invites the other girls to go skiing, she's like, Hey, who wants to go skiing? They seem kind of like um, hesitant or reluctant, but kind of obliging her like, sure, Barb. Okay. Um, Nobody seems to really want to spend time with her. And I think that sort of contributes to the feeling of her character, but I'm uh, not trying to argue with you like you feel about her the way you feel it's just um, I don't know it it, it just kind of works for me as a character um, I, I agree that it's not perfect but the some of those little things just don't they don't weigh enough to overshadow the things that I think it does so well, which are mainly the suspense, um, the beautiful cinematography, the real visual, interplay of light and shadow nicole would like that mm.
1: um
2: I, I, and i think that it holds up so well compared to a lot of other films of this type and of this era i think it remains scary and suspenseful where a lot of the other films like this don't you know 30 40 years later um like to be honest with you halloween doesn't scare me anymore um maybe you know, when I was very young, it did, but it just it just doesn't anymore. I don't have that sense of suspense, Blasphemy. but I still Blasphemy. I'm sorry. I know it's your favorite movie, but I I enjoy it. But I don't feel um, a lot of tension anymore. I don't feel unsettled. I don't feel scared when I watch Halloween or Friday the 13th anymore. But I really do when I watch this movie. And it's because of the things we've talked about, like the really unsettling nature of those phone calls Um, it's to me, those are just the ravings of a person who is very ill. And because you are aware that this person is very ill, you don't know what they're capable of doing. Like, like how dangerous could this person be? You don't know. And so like, I'm really able to put myself in the position of these characters and consider how I'd feel receiving calls like that. And it still scares the shit out of me. Um, the fact that we know he's in the attic the whole time it like you know that these characters are not safe um the like you said the ending is fantastic i love that it stands alone without having a franchise i'm so thankful that this did not become a long-running series um it's just i think it's like a just a wonderful gem that that stands on its own um one great moment that we didn't talk about was when uh, Jess comes to the door when the carolers are out there singing and that's when the killer is killing Barb and she's screaming and moaning and there's all this kind of hubbub taking place but the reason she doesn't hear it is because she's out outside listening yeah. to these beautiful Christmas carols and it's so sweet and peaceful and then there's this um, mm-hmm. you know grotesque murder happening upstairs so I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite slashers. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I love it. It holds a special place in my heart. It's not Christmas without Black Christmas. Mm. And I'm going to give this movie my first ever 10 out of 10.
0: Whoa. First. Wow.
3: That's
0: a burst.
3: I like that. You, you, could, you could put yourself in the shoes of some of these characters. Sounds like Michael put himself <laughs> in the shoes of Billy a little bit.
2: Oh God, Michael! I don't know if we can be friends anymore.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> little exorcist right there, right? Okay.
2: Johnny, what are your thoughts?
0: God, Sorry. man, there are a lot of great points being made. I'm going to go with what Michael said about Barb, and I, I'm still, I'm still going to hold my own. I thought. Barb was a very well-fleshed out character with the simple conversation that she had with her mom of not being able to spend the holidays and her friends kind of poo-pooing her. Uh, Barb's simple purpose was there to kind of piss you off and make, yeah. you know, make little jokes and die. That was the point of her character, you know, because our focus was on Jess. And Jess was such a complex character. Because she was innocent, she was our protagonist, yet she had her own struggles. She had this kind of obsessive boyfriend, pussy whipped boyfriend, because this guy was terrible. Um, and and you know, she was such a strong-willed person. And Michael, I agree with you. I, I think Olivia Hussey is the mo- one of the most beautiful women on the planet. True um, story. And and it's just she played the perfect character because, like, like she's got such a classic background of an actress and going into a a horror movie slasher movie whatever you want to call this and her doing this role was so awesome you know i love the andrea martin character of phyllis you know i thought it was a little comic relief but she was also kind of just a nerdy girl that was just you know you you felt phyllis's and 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 bar or not barbs um jess's relationship you felt their friendship and i thought that was great um you know obviously uh dumbass officer mcgee back there was was supposed to be fun. I thought something that was really good that actually added effectiveness, added effectiveness to that phone call. It's coming from in the house is the lieutenant John Saxon says, "Tell no. her calmly. Yeah. Tell her calmly to leave the house. Do you promise me you'll do that?" He goes, "Yes, absolutely." Uh, no, just Mrs. Met, leave the house. He's inside the house, and he freaks out. And to me, that got me, and it was great. <laughs> I like the tension of. Every time he would call, it would be hung up. You know, it's obviously, it, it was real. There was a lot of realism to what um, Jess was saying that, that, you know, I couldn't handle it. It, it really disturbed me at what he was saying to me. I can't keep him on the phone, but the fact that, you know, it's old school and it's obviously dated, it's 1974. So they, they, they put this tap on the phone and he's trying to find, okay, where's it's coming from? I thought that added a lot of tension to it. Uh, the aesthetic to me was wonderful. This felt like a Christmas movie. Outside being cold, the lights, the warmth inside, but the the uneasiness inside. Outside it was cold. You mentioned that the uh the carolers are where all this shit was going down with Barb, you know, of her dying. And I i thought they did show the gore with that, you know, of Michael. You said it was like a giallo film of like you know, the colors and you know, the 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 they didn't have the leather gloves, but you know, kind of that the, the hand going down and blood coming out, you know, was a great aesthetic, but what happened after that is a lady came up and it just added to it saying, you need to get the children out of here. There was a dead uh, little girl that was found. We need to get them out of here right now. So there was that sense of urgency throughout the movie, but you guys, you guys were all spot on. There's not much more I can add to this movie. I think it's a must watch during the holiday season, Jacqueline, and not to knock on it being one of your favorite movies, but I'm going to go with Hyderberg. This is
3: nine out of 10 uh, prank calls.
2: All right. Very Nice.
3: We should have given it licks. Nine out of ten licks.
2: Nope, too late. Sorry. Yeah, too late. <laughs> uh, to crank calls. Too late. Um, do we have any
0: tri- Do you have any more trivia on this?
2: I have so much trivia and. Play it on me. I, I. I. It would take forever to go through all of it, so I'll just kind of. um Give you some highlights here according to director bob clark the original script for the film featured murder scenes that were much more graphic clark however go, felt that it would be more effective if the murders were toned down and kept subtle on screen and the screenwriter agreed and liked that idea as, as well what here is know? something that absolutely blew my mind nbc scheduled this film for its primetime network debut wow. on january 28th 1978 um
0: four years later
2: how are you gonna show this film on television with the content of those phone calls what the hell
0: wait hold on did didn't they change the name of it too I yes okay yeah so
2: it was under the title. it was planned to debut on nbc on january 28th under the title stranger in the house and there were other alternate titles for this movie as well but i'll get to that sorry
3: no it was a howard stern joke
2: Oh, I, I didn't even hear what you said. But on January 15th, like a couple weeks earlier, two female students at Florida State, my alma mater, were murdered by an assailant who broke into the sorority house where they lived. That was Ted Bundy. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh,
3: shit. <laughs>
2: and so people in the Tallahassee area were um, writing letters to NBC, imploring them to not air this film at this time because, it, you know, emotions were raw. This terrible thing was happening. And so what they did was they decided to just pull the plug on the movie and um, broadcast it later. They played something else instead. Um, the movie was also given temporarily given the title Silent Night, Evil Night, and it just didn't because they were worried that people would think it was a black exploitation film with the title Black Christmas. So they called it Silent Night, Evil Night. I keep wanting to say Deadly Night. I think Evil that title has
3: been used for another movie since then.
2: I think you might be right about that. And so um, I think there's a silent night, bloody night also, but um, but it didn't do well. People didn't see it. And so they changed it back to Black Christmas and then people went nuts over it. Oh, the original title before Bob Clark got involved was called Stop Me, which Mm. I think is interesting and kind of a deep pull from one of the phone calls, uh, like a line that's kind of easy to miss, actually um but yeah so bob clark came up with the title black christmas as kind of a counterpart to white christmas i don't know if you guys know that movie that's kind of an all-time classic
1: there's a red christmas Um, also
2: is there i don't know that one
1: that's a newer one i think
3: is it yeah i think about
1: the past like five years or something like that okay
2: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Uh, let's see here Olivia Hussey does not care for horror films. They scare her too much. Uh, she said that uh, despite the kind of dark themes of the movie, the atmosphere on set was very light and cheerful. Oh, cool. Michael's got Red Christmas there. Oh, nice. Uh, watch uh, Party. Do you
1: recommend it, Michael? Uh, uh, has D. Wallace in it, so yes. Yeah, I- that's a- Ooh, D. She's
2: one of my favorite screen queens. She
3: just
1: uh, had a birthday recently, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Olivia Hussey said that the atmosphere on set was great, is very kind of light and cheerful and happy, actually. But she did say that Margot Kidder was a little aloof and distant and uh, not necessarily buddy-buddy with everybody.
3: Hmm. That makes sense for her character, too.
2: Yeah, I don't know much about Margot Kidder. I don't know if she's a method actress or or what, or was. Legend has it that this was Elvis Presley's favorite horror movie, and he watched wow. it every every Christmas. Although he would have only had a chance to watch it three Christmases before he died. John's thank making very, his Elvis face.
3: Like you very much. <laughs> huh. Yeah, put on that yeah. uh, Black Christmas. Uh, it's a hunk a hunk of burn love.
2: Oh my God!
3: Make me some of them fried banana peanut butter sandwiches.
0: <laughs> Call Billy for me.
3: Like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Call Billy. Maybe that was Elvis. He called in. He did the voice of He <laughs> really did the voice of Wow. No, oh, this is Billy. Oh. Moving
2: on. <laughs> Moving on. This is thing.
3: Right? This whole baby.
2: <laughs> Are you guys done?
3: Yes. I think so.
2: This film holds the distinction of being the first seasonal slasher film in horror movie history and would later be followed by (laughs) Halloween, Friday the 13th, Prom Night, Mother's Day, Graduation Day, I've never seen Graduation Day, My Bloody Valentine, Silent Night, Deadly Night, among other Christmas horror movies, and April Fool's Day. But so this wasn't the first slasher. It wasn't the first point of view from the killer, Um, but it was apparently the first holiday horror film. New Year's
0: Evil, movie. That's 1980. Oh, yeah, okay. it's
2: much later. Uh, none of the actors portraying college students were actually teenagers. Kira DeLea, who played Peter, was 38. <laughs> 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 like Ridiculous.
0: He's a dirty old man. Yeah, yep, yep.
2: Okay. Let's see. Um, a quick little trivia pop quiz here. What Stanley Kubrick film did Kira DeLea appear in? Anyone, anyone?
0: Oh, 2001 Space
2: Odyssey. You got it. Yeah. I watched
0: I watched Joe Bob.
2: Oh, okay. So you already knew. I know. Yeah. Every time I saw him on, on screen, I was like, open the pod bay doors, Hal.
3: <laughs> I got to watch that movie again. It's been a really long time. And I haven't watched it. What you're doing lately.
0: is highly irregular,
3: Dave.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's such a good movie. I oh, love was. it. Uh, you guys will find this interesting. The role of Peter was originally offered to Malcolm McDowell, our old friend but he turned it down a decision mcdell regrets to this day when he saw the massive success of this film and its classic horror film status
3: john At maybe least... they didn't have enough avocados on the cheeseburgers in the craft off craft <laughs> concessions perhaps, <clears throat> perhaps. or own. hummus right mm. oh my gosh i believe it's pronounced hummus <laughs>
2: Thank you for that pronunciation lesson. Uh, The film managed to gross over $4 million on a relatively small budget of $620,000 by today's standards, those numbers would be more like $21 million gross on a $3 million budget. So that's pretty good. Blumhouse. Pretty awesome. Uh, The film setting of Bedford is an intentional homage to it's a wonderful life. Another Christmas classic.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Even though it was in Canada
2: yes yes let's see um
1: there's actually a, a christmas themed horror movie prior from 1972 silent night bloody night
0: oh that's hmm. what hydroberg was talking about what year was
1: yeah, that I was, yeah i know 72 produced by lloyd kaufman too
2: no way yeah. oh okay wow. i retract that piece of trivia imdb <laughs> has led me astray
0: f you imdb
2: yeah all right why
0: no, it's <laughs> Time
2: for another pop quiz. What other horror movie is Margot Kidder famous for appearing prominently in? John. John? Amityville horror. You got it. Nice. You know yeah, it. I got it.
3: She was the mom, right? Her and James Brolin Yeah. <clears throat>
2: she was the yep. She was the mom. Uh which horror film is John Saxon known for appearing in?
3: Heidelberg. Hydroberg. on Elm Street.
2: Oh yeah. I know that's one of your favorites. Of course he you want that Dad, one. Right.
3: He's also a cop in that one. Yeah, it's
2: true. Mm-hmm. Uh, which horror film is Olivia Hussey known for appearing in besides this one? Michael looks like he knows. Mm-mm.
0: Romeo and Juliet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said horror film.
0: That was a horror film. Trust me. It was horrible to watch. <laughs> sorry.
2: Horrible to watch in school with your teacher. With uh, other
0: students around me going, oh, my God, did I just see breasts? well Wow. Uh, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Nobody
2: knows. All right. No. Olivia Hussey appeared in the TV movie It from
3: 1990.
2: Uh, yeah. What? Who, who what was, she... was
3: she in that? I don't Were know. Parents.
2: Let me do a quick
3: check. I check. haven't seen that in a long
0: time. 1990, so 74. She must have been like, eh, what, mid 20s. I'm
3: thinking maybe she was.
0: Yeah, right. she 20- must have been. She was the...
2: 23.
0: Okay, so 23. That's Oh, shit. MDV. 18 years later.
2: Yeah. Let's see here. She was. 16, 18, yeah. Oops. I just passed it. She was Audra Denbro. So that must have been Bill's mother.
3: Makes sense. Yeah. At her age.
2: Wasn't Bill's? Like, Bill and Georgie, wasn't their last name Denbro? I think so. Yeah. So she must have been their mom. I I, I don't remember that, but that's what IMDb says. So, And they would never steer me wrong like they just did three minutes ago. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Margot Kidder and Andrea Martin became close friends on the set, so at least she made one friend. And then uh, Lynn Griffin, who played Claire, and Art Hindle, who played her boyfriend Chris, went on to date in real life. Hmm. So that's fun. And I think that's probably the most interesting
3: stuff. Yeah, so, he was I'm actually a... not... I forgot about his character. We didn't even mention him. Who? In do, uh, Claire's boyfriend. Or the was guy from Steen. yeah,
0: He was a throwaway character. Yeah, he, just he, kind of helped
3: out. he had a funky jacket. I really liked his fucking
0: jacket. <laughs> oh, his fur jacket? Band.
3: Oh, man, that thing was badass. But I just like... um, I, I, Out of all... like Because Peter wasn't the, the best male character, I feel like, as far as uh, males go. And Chris seemed alright, even though he said he was like throwaway. Yeah, he was kind of just added on at the end, but
0: I just thought he was a little more there for info dump of like, "Oh no, I've
3: never seen her." Yeah, I mean, was... he tried to help with the search too for Claire. Yeah,
2: he, I, he kind of got the ball rolling. That. I think yeah. a little yeah. more when they weren't being taken seriously. I think he kind of went in more aggressively at the police station. It was like, yeah. "What are you doing?" You know, yeah. and he seemed to know one of the one. Of yeah, the that's right. Deputies did. or something.
3: Yeah, he shamed him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, what the fuck?" Shamed.
2: Yeah. Shame. Shame, 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 oh, shame, the shame!
3: Shame, shame on right. you!
2: Heather. Well, I think that just about does it for this movie, Black Christmas. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we end this little shindig?
0: Wrap it up. I actually do want to ask Michael something. What are we expecting the relaunch of Horror Apocalypse?
1: Uh, we were pretty much at the end of the year, so I don't think we're going to be doing another Horror Apocalypse episode. The next one may end up being the launch of the new uh cast booze Bruise, and booze so
0: yeah i'm looking forward to that probably what january you were saying
1: uh probably towards the end of january yeah <laughs>
0: wonderful and it's going to be horror apocalypse what productions i think you said yes. last time
1: okay yes. awesome yeah. looking awesome. forward to it we'll have to have a whole new intro maybe um definitely new logos all kinds of new stuff so uh if anybody has design uh, abilities and wants to reach out to us uh, we'll give you a sandwich so
0: <laughs> where can they
1: reach you uh Apocalypse at gmail.com you can also go to whoreapocalypse.com uh get all the episodes videos and links there um and that pretty much sums everything up at com.
3: if you need like a theme intro maybe you could just use one of billy's like prank calls or something
1: ah. my personal intro for that so <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh god <laughs> all right well thank you as always michael for appearing so glad to have you back again um, for another episode of a cut above uh love to have you on love to hear your input your knowledge of horror films is immense and so we can always count on you to know as is your movie exactly collection. what's going on oh my gosh yeah in the
1: background well, there how I, do you I think get he got all time. that knowledge I pulled out all my Christmas horror and it's a giant stack I was gonna show you guys here. Uh oh yeah, you, you had mentioned there was like a, a Hebrew horror movie. Yeah, Hanukkah with um uh not Bill Mosley. Um
3: oh Said hey. Said Said hey.
1: Hey. exactly is it
3: Hanukkah Kills?
1: No, just Hanukkah.
0: Yeah. He showed us last time. So.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I didn't I didn't get on that one in time. So next year for Hanukkah, I definitely want to watch that <laughs> one. So Michael, try to remind me because I'll probably forget
1: we'll do, we'll, yeah, we'll, do. Mix it up. we'll
3: get some Hanukkah love I, yeah. I do
0: I want to do, do say thank you again to Michael for coming on I want to say uh, happy holidays Merry Christmas to my, my co- uh, cohorts over here Hydra Berg and Jacqueline guys right. thank <laughs> you so much for a wonderful wonderful year I know we got one more coming up next week which we'll t- be talking about the 1980 movie uh, New Year's Evil which will be my right. pick
2: yes all right yeah. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's on Amazon Prime for rent, but I haven't searched around. I don't know if it's streaming for free anywhere, but I haven't um, looked yet.
0: It's been too busy. It's,
2: it's available. It's not it's not hard to find. Um, you should okay. be able to to find that without any problem. In the meantime, if you want to send us an email and let us know your thoughts about Black Christmas or anything else, or if you want to let us know your thoughts about New Year's Evil, or you want to let us know your thoughts about how much you love us. Please send us an email at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror.
3: You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And you can check us out at Facebook, a cut above colon
0: horror review. And if you listen to us on iTunes, make sure you rate and review us, uh, give us that five star rating. Also, give us the review. Tell us what we can do better, what you enjoy about the show. And wherever you listen to your podcast, thank you so much for doing that.
2: We'll see you guys back next week. Happy holidays and
3: keep it creepy.